Welcome back to Shit I Should Have Read in School, the podcast where we go back and read the classic books we were supposed to read in high school, but we didn't because we were too busy trying to figure out how to fit into our low-rise jeans below our hips. That was, guys, the bane of my existence with how large my butt is. It's never possible. I have an ass, so I rocked the fuck out of them, but now I have a stomach, so it's, yeah, I will never go back to below. And, like, Jennifer Lopez came out, I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> the Winter Hill girls looked great. They did. They always yeah. did. great. For today's episode, we are reading William Golding's Lord of the Flies. We'll talk about what makes little boys so savage. Boys are just inherently, like, more confident, less aware. What qualities make a good leader? There's always a sidekick, right? But nobody's going to listen to Robin. They'll listen to fucking Batman. And can the Island Boys ever go back and have a normal life? He still, like, loves the bloodthirst. I think they're all going to be raging alcoholics, so. But first, let's introduce ourselves by telling you a little bit about which reality show we would have killed it at. So, I'm Lisa Marie, and I don't know if I ever would have killed it on any reality show because I'm too (laughs) private, but I will say, in my perfect world, I would be on The Challenge from MTV. Uh. I knew that was going to be your answer. Yes. Freaking great show. I, the I best, the most it. underrated reality yeah. show of all time. So And it's been good. on for like a hundred years. Sure and CT is. still kills it. <laughs> amazing. Freaking amazing. God, that show is a perfect format. Mm-hmm. I tell you. Well, hi, I'm Lauren. And I don't think competition shows will ever be my jam, nor will getting stranded on an island. So I think I'd go with... Um, What's the lyric or finish the lyric or whatever oh, that show was so called? good at that. Oh, yes. that's a good show for be, you. Yeah, I'd be fantastic at that. I couldn't tell you who's singing it mostly. Mostly, couldn't tell you what it's sung, but I could tell you probably how to finish that sentence. That's fantastic for you. And the stakes are just as high. Don't let anybody tell you differently. <laughs> and Katie, I would not let you be on my team or my. I'd be awful because you it. can barely get <laughs> top forty lyrics right. So. But if they had a show called Make Your Own Lyrics <laughs> when you finish the song, <laughs> you'd be Different queen. show, I'd win. <laughs> um, I auditioned. Who are you? Oh, are sorry. You? My name is Katie. <laughs> if that's not obvious at this point. Mm-hmm. But my name is Katie. And um, I actually auditioned to be on The Amazing Race with my friend Bridget. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, more than a handful of years ago, we did not get selected to go to any round, but we had a great time up in the Poconos auditioning. So I think between that show and Survivor, I just always thought I'd win at Survivor because their general meal was rice. I wouldn't need a prize meal. I wouldn't need like a prize hotel stay you with would never a, get sick a of it. food. Yeah. I would just need garlic salt as my item on the island and then just add it to rice. And every day was like a gourmet meal at Kitchen a la Katie. <laughs> So I think I'd win that show because I could outlast. And it's a popularity contest. You trained for that in college. (laughs) I did my best. So let's talk a little bit about William Golding and why he wrote Lord of the Flies. It was written by William Golding (laughs) in England. Um, He served in the Navy during World War II, and then he went on to be a teacher at a private school for boys so yeah. man did not stray far <laughs> no. from what he knew sure figured <laughs> out where he got his inspo from yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> um so the book was passed over a bunch of times by a d- bunch of different publishers before it was finally published in 1945 it did not become a hit no one bought it <laughs> child murder um, wasn't popular at the time <laughs> no <laughs> they were like we've had enough of that but it took it was like a slow build like a slow cult favorite it took yeah. like 10 years to hit the bestsellers list look at it now so now it is taught in schools because it speaks to young children and what they think and how society feels um to them classic themes isn't it also like a heavily banned book too i feel like i always see that like being a banned book (laughs) from what i read online they're like it is number 67 on the list of 100 banned books and i was like that seems like a large club so you're not wrong it is (laughs) yeah (laughs) it is on the list I feel like I overused that statement, but you're not wrong. It is on the banned books. (laughs) If Um, it's classic, it's banned at this point. So many of our classics are also banned books. Anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, So this was a fact that I did not expect. Katie and I both listened to the audiobook, and Golding reads the audiobook. So in my head, he recorded it yesterday and was alive (laughs) and kicking. Um, He died in 1993 at the age of 87. I also thought he might still be alive, Lisa. Yeah, Yeah, that really threw me as well. 
Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know why I thought that's silly. He did reach notoriety while he was alive, though. Something we can't say for a lot of our other authors. That is true. He did. So good on you. first novel became his, like, most popular work. And he, like, did a lot of interviews for it. He got to see the movie made, which he did not love, he said. Did not (laughs) love the movie of his book. Movie's never as good as the book. (laughs) Yeah, he did. He enjoyed some of the, what's the saying? He enjoyed the fruits of his labor. Yeah. Oh, good for you, Golding. Just to show you guys. People might like it, just maybe not right now. (laughs) (laughs) Play the long game. (laughs) In the audio version that Lisa Marie, you and I read, he also speaks like he just like had this idea to write this book across from his wife over a fire. And she was like, yeah, go for it. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, and then I did. Yeah. <laughs> what a nice wife. Because if yeah. my husband was like, yo, I'm going to write a book about these kids killing each other. I'd be like, all right, bud. Do your thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Lauren, why don't you tell us like what actually happens in Lord of the Flies? Oh, man. I mean, this book begins like the opening scene of Lost, honestly, minus the hot doctor and the polar bears. A plane (laughs) is carrying a group of British schoolboys. It's crashed on a deserted island and its survivors are just coming around to what the fuck happened and their current predicament. So off the bat, we meet Ralph, a natural born leader who seems more concerned with doing handstands and basking in his new sense of freedom (laughs) rather than grasping the severity of the situation he just somehow lived through. Yeah, but he's never been on a tropical island before. Uh, Apparently, but I feel like he's also (laughs) never been in a plane crash before either. So like, I don't know, just doesn't know how to act. Uh, He immediately meets another young bespectacled boy. That's a hard word to say. Bespectacled. He immediately meets another young bespectacled boy. Bespectacled because oh. he had glasses. Oh, uh, not because he had freckles. <laughs> no, no. Bespectacled. Bespectacled. <laughs> but maybe not how after his time on the island, maybe he was bespectacled and bespectacled. <laughs> I can't say that. Uh, this kid, he's a little on the heavier side. Um, and instead of learning his actual name, he just decides to dub him Piggy. Because this is, you know middle school boys. Ralph does, yeah. Poor poor kid never stood a chance, let's be honest. No. But Piggy takes comfort in Ralph's confidence anyway and just sticks to him like glue as Ralph continues to explore the island. Piggy finds this like large, immaculate white conch shell and he tells Ralph to blow in it like a horn and like, I don't know, maybe the rest of the survivals will come find him. So blow Ralph does and lo and behold, the remaining living travelers from the plains straggle their way onto the beach where Ralph and Piggy stand. A common theme for this book, Piggy is the MVP who's always got the intelligent ideas but lacks the confidence to command anyone's respect. You've seen this trope before a million times. So, sorry, William Golding wasn't wasn't thrown shade. Maybe you were the original trope, I don't know. Uh, as the group assembles, the lines of authority and responsibility become clear. We've essentially got two groups here. Biggins, who I'm assuming are in their like early teens, and Littleins, who I'm guessing are like 10 and under because they just cannot handle. So the group right away decides to elect a leader and good old Ralph and his trusty conch cinch the vote in a landslide election. No need for a recount or a coup yet. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> they also decide the conch will be the arbitrator of order in the court, as in no one can speak during their meetings unless they are holding the conch. They feeling stick, but with a bit of Mary Tom swag. <laughs> so the only one with a real issue against Ralph's appointment is a biggin named Jack, who is apparently head of the choir boys. <laughs> <laughs> Not a trope you do see often, I will say. <laughs> I didn't mean to say that with such with laughter, but I did. Um, sorry, Pitch Perfect, maybe next time. Ralph actually has a knack for this leadership thing, though, because he immediately starts assigning jobs to everyone so they can prepare for however long they're stranded on this island. Already sensing a need to coddle Jack's fragile male ego, Ralph assigns him and his choir the extremely important job of hunters. I don't mean that sarcastically. It is extremely important. uh, And makes Jack the head of that group. So Ralph, Jack, and another boy named Simon decide to set off and explore the island and see what other people or resources they can find while the rest of the group hangs back and figures out important things like water source, shelter, and most importantly, fire. Uh, As the three of them are out exploring, they come across a wild pig and attempt to kill it for food. They're unsuccessful, mostly because Jack is a little bitch, but at least it's a good sign that there is meat on this island, right? And while the island is devoid of any adults they come to find, it may be home to a beast, at least according to a little one who claims he saw it deep in the forest. The older boys try to convince the littler ones that there is no monster, it's just a figment of their imagination running away with them. But it still unsettles everyone a little bit. They're still kind of looking around like, but is there really? Well, they can't uh, check under the bed to make sure. So Exactly. It's just like, don't go into the forest by yourself, boys. 
Ralph expertly changes the subject and points out the fact that their best chance of getting rescued is to go to the highest point on the island and keep a fire burning there around the clock in the hopes that a plane or a ship nearby will see the smoke. Piggy, once again, comes in real handy when they use his glasses to light the fire. But does anyone say thank you to that poor boy with bad eyesight? Nope. Bunch of ingrates. Thank goodness he was bespeckled. Bespectacled. (laughs) Bespectacled. (laughs) The boys had their first important learning lesson in this, though, as they didn't properly light the fire and accidentally set a bunch of trees nearby on fire. And in all of the hubbub trying to get it under control and manageable, they noticed that that little boy who claimed that he saw a beast is now nowhere to be found. But they all just act like nothing's wrong. He must be off playing somewhere. Burned in the fire. Is that what you think happened? That's what happened to him. They don't ever find his body, so they don't tell you that. That's that what burning is. Yeah, he, well, he I interpreted he burned to death. <laughs> and they, wouldn't you hear him screaming? No, I, little and far away. And all the boys, like, every time that little kid comes up is like, yeah, we don't talk about Bruno. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally every time that they were all like, yeah, we all know he died. We were going to oh, pretend he didn't. Yeah, we, yeah he died. Mm-hmm. That kid okay. died. Yeah, he all died. Right. I thought yeah. they were just, okay. Anyways, kind of makes them doubt their isolation on this island a little bit further. You know how in group projects, like you're only as good as your weakest link in school? Unsure you're as good as your strongest link if they do all the work. If they did, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Well, Ralph starts to encounter that frustration early on with this band of misfits. Because instead of helping Ralph and Simon build shelter, most of the boys are off playing in the water or in the forest. And so one day, Ralph sees a ship far out from the beach. And he's like, oh my god, the fire. And he runs up to make sure it's going. And it's not, because even though Jack and his stupid choir boys volunteered to be the fire's keepers, they leave their post to fuck around, and the fire's gone out, so the ship doesn't see the smoke, and dun-dun-dun, sails away. Jack hasn't learned the art of micromanaging yet. Yeah, why don't you leave a man behind? This widens the ever-growing rift between Ralph and Jack, who seem just fated to clash heads. So, at least while he was shirking his fire duties, though, Jack finally managed to kill a pig so everyone can feast on some fresh meat, although this serves to feed Jack's ego more than his stomach. Now, I'll be honest, I did not understand that all of this was happening in the midst of a war. (laughs) It's like the third book this has happened. (laughs) Oh, I know. I'm just too literal. And these fucking guys and their writing. Eh. So when I read about the dead parachuter falling on the island near where the fire is going, I couldn't tell if this was like hyperbole or not. For me, one of the more frustrating aspects of Golden's writing, but I digress. So just uh, so just so everyone is aware, the boys' plane is shot down in the middle of a war, and throughout their time on the island, there are explosions and flashes of light from what must be bombs that can be heard and seen, you know, in a far-off distance. So naturally, when this dead parachuter comes down in the middle of the night and some of the boys see his shadow amplified by the fire, they assume this is the beast the little boy has been talking about and hightail it the fuck out of there. So they bring the news of the monster sighting back to camp. Ralph, Jack, and another boy named Roger decide to go see it for themselves once and for all. You know, put this rumor to bed. They think, again, just little ends in their fear of the dark and whatever, making this all up in their heads. Stupid kids stranded on a deserted, dark desert island without adults and no food and shelter. How dare they be scared? I I mean, honestly. And Jack (laughs) isn't much better because he gets up there first and he comes back down in a panic claiming he also saw the monster. And then Ralph and Roger go up and uh, remember, again, it's not... So once they make out the shadow of the dead guy in his parachute flapping in the wind, making an unfamiliar and therefore unsettling noise, this is all the confirmation Ralph needs, right? So they that's it for a rescue fire on the mountain. The group decides they'll have to make do with a smaller fire on the beach instead where it's safe and out of the forest. Jack also decides to take this opportunity to try to vote Ralph out because he says Ralph isn't a good leader. When none of the other boys vote in favor of removing Ralph, though, Jack storms off like a little crybaby bitch saying that he's going to start his own tribe and says anyone who wants to join can. Several boys end up sneaking off in the night to go join Jack, uh, who has appointed himself, obviously, a chief of his new tribe. I've got to hand it to Jack. He and his group have gotten half decent with killing pigs at this point, and I think the bloodlust and, like, sense of power from murdering defenseless animals really gets to their heads because they start turning into genuinely a pack of barbarians, covering themselves in the pig blood after the kill, mocking how the kill went with, like, the boys pretending to be one of the pigs. Uh, You know, very carry of them. Jack invites the rest of Ralph's group to join them for food and even convinces more of them to join his group. He allows Ralph and Piggy to eat with them, though. 
While the group is off feasting on their fresh kill, uh, Simon wanders up to the site of the now-extinguished mountain fire and in the light of day realizes the beast everyone has seen is actually a dead parachuter. So he rushes back to Jack's camp to tell everyone, but when he gets there, like I said, they were all worked up in this animalistic frenzy, still high off of killing things, and they mistake Simon for the beast. They immediately like begin attacking him, kicking him, hitting him including Ralph and Piggy they're just all caught up in it and they actually end up killing him letting his mangled body just wash out to sea I think we've gone too far guys I think we've gone too far (laughs) Ralph and Piggy wake up the next morning and are like wow that escalated quickly um I think Simon's murder was the last group on humanity Jack and his group had because things just get worse from there the next night they attack what remains of Ralph's camp in order to steal Piggy's glasses aka the only source for fire Ralph hasn't quite given up on diplomacy just yet, though, so they head back to Jack's camp to try and reason with them to give them back Piggy's glasses and share the fire ability. Like, let's share, everybody. We're all stuck here together. Jack's response is as you would expect at this point. They kidnap the last two biggins from Ralph's camp, and finally, Ralph and Jack's animosity just comes to blows. As the two are fighting, Roger pushes a giant rock off of a cliff above the tussle. They had, like, set it up to kind of, you know, be a weapon almost, knocking Piggy off the ledge, where he falls 40 feet to his death. So just like Simon, the tide also claims Piggy's body for its own. Ralph barely escapes and realizes now he is not only alone, but he is now the hunted. Ralph tries to hide in the woods, but he's being chased relentlessly. Jack's tribe smokes him out of his initial hiding place. When he's discovered as next one, he makes one last desperate break for it. And in his delirium and exhausted quest for survival, it takes Ralph a minute to realize he's run straight into none other than a naval officer on the beach. The nightmare is over. They've been rescued and not a moment too soon, especially for our boy Ralph. You've heard a lot of stories about people trapped on islands, but I haven't heard about a lot of 12-year-olds killing each other. It does escalate quickly. Poor Simon, though. That kid. He was just coming to tell him that there's nothing to be scared of, and they literally kill him for that. Yeah. So, yeah. Ugh, kids are crazy. They do the darndest <laughs> things. Oh, man. Well, um, on that note, <laughs> when we get back, we will learn more about Lord of the Flies. Welcome back to Shit I Should Have Read in School. Now let's discuss the unraveling of Ralph, Piggy, Jack, and the others. So what are our initial thoughts, first reactions? Katie, go. My first reaction is I wish I hadn't listened to the version of the book where the author read the story. Why? It has nothing to do with the book, but William, you told a good tale. Mm. Act like it, like with some enthusiasm. He's no Jim Dale. He's no Jim Dale. So maybe this clouds my overall picture. I will say this was one of the books when this podcast started, I was most psyched about to read because it's one of the ones where like, I just knew Piggy died. Like I knew a bunch of kids killed a kid on an island. And I was like, that sounds awesome. It's also very much in my genre. Initial reaction after reading the book was, okay, Piggy still died. There was definitely an unraveling of savagery on the island. But maybe because I had hyped it up so much, I wasn't as psyched about the book as a whole as I was reading it. Um, Or I've seen so many iterations of, you know, the adults are gone. Let's see how society would be that now this, maybe like the forefather of that genre, became less interesting because we've explored different versions of this story now. Still enjoy the story. Still very interesting. But I think for me, initial thought was I was psyched about it and I became a little bit less psyched after reading it. Mm-hmm. A little bit less psyched. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like Katie's right. I literally, as soon as I like started reading this first paragraph, first chapter, I was like, "Oh my god, it's the beginning of Lost." Um, and then it, like, I was like, "Oh, that was a really good show. I'm gonna start rewatching that again." And so I did. Um, and it is, it is interesting to just kind of. I mean, I think that's what was so like capturing about, captivating about Lost was like the kind of putting yourself in their shoes. What would you do if this happened? Kind of deal. Um, and then also all of the like supernatural stuff that plays on it. So at least like this book was just like a very pure, what would happen if a bunch of little boys (laughs) were stranded on an island, no adult supervision, like how quickly does like nature take over? How quickly does survival instincts take over? How quickly does society devolve into fucking the wild? Um, so did you enjoy it? I did. 
because I don't know, this stuff I guess is kind of interesting to me. I do feel I had a trouble connecting with the characters because again, I wouldn't have done almost anything that they did. <laughs> so I would have made um, every you know, different choice. <laughs> yeah, but I have to go, well, yeah, that's because I'm doing it through the lens of a 30-year-old female. So like, of course. Yeah. So um, I think the author did, I think William Golding did a good job of like, guessing what a bunch of 12 year old 12 something year old boys would would do in a situation like this it was entertaining i wouldn't say this was groundbreaking or is i don't understand really the classic i guess part behind it but i guess for the time it was a fresh idea mm-hmm. yeah i think that's true i'm like i wouldn't read it again but for yeah. like the cultural relevance that it has i'm glad i read it once yeah fine I, feel I wonder, though, and maybe this is uh, something we'd have to dive deeper into, but, like, I wonder, though, if it did set the, you know, we've seen Lost now, we've seen The Society is one of my favorite shows that Netflix canceled. It has the exact same concept, except with boys and girls. Like, I wonder if it really was groundbreaking because it laid the groundwork for all these shows that now we've seen. We've seen it done. We know what people do. We know society. And so maybe because of that, we've seen the hyper versions of what this innocent boiled down story is mm-hmm. maybe we've just become desensitized a little bit to it yeah this is the foundation of all of those stories that we've built off of thank you william yeah, yeah now yours is yeah. the most boring but you were the first <laughs> <laughs> but you were the pioneer yeah. um congrats man yeah so what do we think the story actually says about like the characters and society like why do we think william golding picked 12 year old little boys to put on an island is it because it's its most purest form what, what? I think it's because of your fun fact that he was like a school teacher to boys and yeah, he like, had like naval experience yeah I bet you he just got really fucking pissed off with his classroom one day and was looking around and like which one of you fuckers would actually have made it if you like would have survived a plane crash and he probably picked out exactly who Piggy was in his class because he probably knew that there was a little stout boy that was getting picked on and that all the other boys were assholes to, but he obviously was the smart one. Like, mm. I just, I fully just see him being a disgruntled teacher going, all right, assholes, I'm envisioning you <laughs> stranded on an island and what you would do and how you would fare. And maybe he killed off some of his least favorite students. I don't know. Maybe Simon and Piggy pissed him off. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he just had this, like, artistic kid that bugged the fuck out of him. So he's yeah. like, what if that guy got yeah. murdered <laughs> that would be fun for me <laughs> i can't enact this out myself but i can kill him off in my books yep. <laughs> he says too in an interview he's like well i know boys i was a brother i was a father i was a you know whatever so he's like okay so in my experience maybe he was bullied as a kid too so he's like fuck that kid he's getting him in this book or whatever <laughs> version of that but you know i think he he wrote what he knew as so many of our authors did and kind of what you spoke to earlier so i wonder if he modeled himself like one of the kids was modeled after himself whether in a good or a bad way you know what i mean like i don't think i would write myself as the best character in a story but i'm very curious mm. yeah i don't know if i would either but what do you think that like how the story unfolds with these children what do you think he's trying to tell us about society I feel like William Golding had a very, like, clear... He's like, I'm going to use this parallel as a society reference. What do you think he's trying to tell us? Well, I think the war in the background also speaks to that. It's like, ooh, this is happening on this island with kids, and it's also happening out in the real world, so we're not that different. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an interesting, like, like tandem parallel universe, and I promise you I'm not going to go multiverse like everyone else is on you, but um, it's interesting to have that be the background that's happening on, like, a different, you know country whatever because who knows where the fuck they are but it's interesting just the kind of parallels that's going on between like the the craziness in the world with the war happening and then the craziness on this island in their own little world and their own little war so that's an interesting like parallel to have in the background of this don't know if it added to it honestly aside from the dead parachuter like could have done without, I guess. He just needed but, to be like, how are we going to get kids on an island by themselves? War? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice literary comparison and parallel. But I, I think he had a realistic view of, of like what would happen, honestly, because I think absolutely makes sense that like nature and survival instincts take over. And especially for kids who aren't mature um, and don't have anyone to guide the way, of course, they're going to like devolve into what innate instincts they have. 
I think it's also more jarring that he used children. And Lauren, you brought this up uh, earlier, but like children versus adults. Why not slap, you know, 12 Mm -hmm. men who were a part of society to see how society would run? And I think the answer to that is we kind of know like how (laughs) men run society. Let's see how the innocence of children makes a difference. They don't know better. They're not in government positions. They're not, you know, at their nine to five job hating life. There's a lot of build up aggression that comes with being an adult that might be unleashed a little bit more quickly. Children are just playing and having a good time, except this time it's not, you know, in your backyard hitting each other with sticks. Now it's, you know, the innocence is gone. You need to kill a pig. Mm -hmm. Killing something for the first time to me is jarring. I Uh I grew up around hunting, but I haven't hunted. Uh Um, I don't care. Unleashes fishing. something in you but, a little bit. And once you yeah. do it once, it makes it easier to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Jack killing that pig for the first time. He was like, oh, this is cool. This is fun. Mm-hmm. Turns out I like this. But yeah, I think putting, you know, the Ralph versus the Jack, like a rational kid who's just trying to get his friends off the island and a kid who's like, wow, I got my taste of blood and I'm going to go for it. Like, I want to be chief and I want to get people off the island. Two very different ideas that... Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. They seem to play out in society, too. It does. It's mm. almost like when you have any kind of, like, political stuff, it's like, are you here to serve the greater good? Or are you here to just, like, serve your own get interests. yours and have your friends get yours and yep. survival of the fittest? It's a pretty yeah. good parallel he makes to society with little boys, then. <laughs> yeah, he did pretty good there. Well, yeah, come. Smart thinking. I can relate to that. William Golding, I know you're beyond the grave, but we are just going to sit here and critique your work. Yes. And just pull it apart and then go back and say, well, actually, you did do that pretty well. Yeah, because we've all, you know, accomplished what you've accomplished in our life. So we're completely qualified to. (laughs) Well, it's a bunch of a bunch of girls. (laughs) Yes. As more sophisticated beings, we have better thoughts, I guess. That's That's true. Um, So let's talk about the beast. The beast. Let's talk about hypothetical, scary figure that like when I, I read the book the beast was very literal it was like a shadow of a parachute and i was like i don't understand what we're so afraid of it's not real you just haven't seen it yet um so i like was i was a little confused about the beast thing but what are your thoughts on i feel like the beast is also like a figure in pop culture where i don't know a lot about the book but i know that there's a beast (laughs) um the beast for me was very uh, it started with a little kid, a little in's imagination, right? So you you instantly he planted start, the seed. That little he kid. planted a seed. You mm-hmm. had a kid who was scared, who saw maybe whatever, and planted a seed. And then you know it's a little in. So you're like, do you trust the opinion of a little in? So me myself as the reader, I'm sitting there reading it, going, maybe he didn't see something. Maybe it was a weird shadow. And then as the yeah. book unfolds. The other older boys, the biggins, start to believe in it. And then once the biggins take hold of the beast, and then once, you know, they claim to see this beast and, you know, everybody's putting their own, I'm sure, imagery to it, it takes a whole different life form. And it becomes like the focus of this entire group of boys rather than survival. It's now we have to beat the beast. We have to stay protected. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think the literature way to put this and like if a teacher was going to ask me in class, it'd be very much like... Well, does the beast really signify, mm-hmm. you know, the savagery within themselves? Sure, I'm sure, sure it fucking does. It's great. <laughs> really, really great. I did not get that, that but yeah. teacher Katie was very <laughs> like, smart. Yeah, I was like, yeah, is the beast really out there or is it really amongst us all along? Mm-hmm. But I think the idea of having, you know, another focus other than getting off the island was truly the downfall for these kids. Had they all just stayed on track, no playing games. <laughs> Only in your free time after we're building shelters, mm-hmm. you know, we could have kept that fire lit. The boat could have found us sooner. Had they stayed on track, the beast became this, like, distraction. And I think for me, that's what really led to the downfall. So, yeah. Ooh, good parallel. Distraction takes away from, like, you focusing on what is actually best for you. We do that all the time. We do that constantly. William, he's all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Called your book boring at the beginning, but uh, maybe more, okay. maybe not. <laughs> Oh, please, because I feel like these are a bunch of 12 and under boys, right? So, like, we all were scared of, like, the monster under the bed when we were young. Hadn't really grown out of that phase, I feel like, maybe in the, like, 12s, and especially some of these little ones, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, 
And then they're completely jarred in a brand new place. No adults to, like, comfort them, tell them, like, whatever. So all they have to go off of is what the group, like, anyone else's experience is. Mm -hmm. This little boy comes in. That's his experience. He doesn't know what a parachuter fucking is. Uh, like, of course it looks big and grand and scary. He's never and seen or heard of it before. Apparently, yes. And snake-like, apparently. So, like, of course he's going to be terrified. All the other little ones are going to be terrified because their imaginations are what they are. Fletch, I'm talking right now. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Our um, cat also has very strong opinions. Oh, on he's topic. just so rude. He never lets me so finish my sentence. <laughs> Um, but even for like the big ones like there's still the whole you're on a deserted island you have no idea what else is there and even if you scour the island like they did on the first day creepy crawly things and bad things come out at night right Mm. like I would be terrified to be on an island at night as well and now I have polar bears to worry about and apparently dead parachuters like so I think that's unfair there to think you're like come on guys you should have known of course they shouldn't have fucking known and then also yeah, but i knew as the reader as <laughs> so. right, right. me also, in the comfort of my car was fine and i said to them get the fuck over it you're on a goddamn island as i ate french fries in my front seat going home from work yeah it's so yeah. funny because i'm normally the hyper logical one but apparently <laughs> whatever i guess i have a little empathy this time you, i also you didn't understand the backdrop of the war so when they said a dead parachuter fell from the sky i was like okay well what does that mean oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not like a dead parachuter actually exactly. fell from the sky. All right. Exactly. Because I was like, that makes no sense. Where's the plane? Where's the... Why is he dead? Well, there you are. Back to logic. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So honestly, it just didn't work for me on multiple, multiple levels. But mm, fair enough. I mean, to your point, yeah, the kids have nothing else to be scared of. But I think that fear is... Oh my God, I'm about to literature myself. I think that fear is really the beast and maybe you know, that's what got them in the end. And it wasn't, it was the fear of the beast and not the beast, quote unquote, So itself. if you think there wasn't this kind of like tangent of like the, the monster kind of like in the back of their heads and you think all they had to worry about, like they'd scoured the island, little and hadn't seen a monster. You think they would have been able to still stay focused on either getting saved or like making a place for a home for them to live and survive until or if ever they get survived you really think they wouldn't have devolved into no i think they would have found like a different version of a beast they would have found a different distraction or like a different thing to rally behind to make them like go all tribal i think yeah the beast like the overall overwhelming you know fear of the beast like yes would they have stayed on focus no these kids were apparently just like <laughs> unable to stay on task they were preteens and like toddlers i don't of know course. i don't know man stay po- focused yeah, for exactly. a long time either i agree <laughs> exactly i get it but lauren if i could picture you as a toddler on an island let's say you're nine-year-old lauren <laughs> on an island and you're focused and maybe i'm putting words in your mouth Maybe you'd be scared, but wouldn't your main focus, I know adult Lauren, this would be it. It'd be like, guys, we need a fire. (laughs) We need to get shelter. If I don't sleep under something, Mm -hmm. the beast is going to get me. Like, I need shelter. Like, I feel like, and I can't backtrack as, you know, eight-year-old Katie, because unfortunately (laughs) I think I'd fall maybe more into the Jack tribe. But like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, it's hard. And that kind of makes the beauty of it being kids though, right? Where now I have to... But is take away also, the logic. Go ahead. Isn't that also like a little boy thing? Like they're just kind of I mean, it's a it's a little boy like stereotype, right? Obviously, not every little boy is like this. So I'm not going to make a grand sweeping statement. But like, I feel like a stereotype and a lot of little boys that I meet. <laughs> I don't know how to make that not sound I mean, weird. How many little boys do you meet, Laura? <laughs> my, my, my friend's kids who are little boys and like growing up with the younger brother, I feel like boys are just inherently like more confident, less aware <laughs> <laughs> a little more courageous like whatever so I feel like that's why they're not focusing on anything because they just think they're fucking invincible and they're children so they just don't realize that like they're fucking expendable dark that, that yeah, took dark. a weird turn <laughs> that's a good turn I'm worried for all the boys who are you hanging out with who are these friends <laughs> alarmed by the way they're raising wow. their sons <laughs> run run and now <laughs> Whereas Um, I would have been like, I want to get rescued. I want to be saved. Okay. Well, Golding, let's let's pivot a little bit here. Not pivot. Here's a a question for you, Lauren. Mm -hmm. Uh, Golding, we know, wrote what he knew. He knew 
uh, young boys and their behaviors, and he yeah. thought they reflected society more accurately. Yeah. What if this was an island of little girls? Do you think they'd be more like little Laurens and be like, I want to get rescued! Let's just get out of here! Oh, God. I mean, you know, I think if everyone drove on the road the way I drove, we'd all get to where we're going much faster and much happier um so i feel like just (laughs) that's a discussion for a different time (laughs) so clearly everything i do i think is best there's a reason why i do what i do all right but uh so but that's the whole thing is like it's not an island full of little laurens it's an island full of a little lauren and a little lisa marie and a little katie and so like and that's he's trying to represent like different personalities in society so a bunch of little girls i definitely think they would have done a better job and i don't think it would have jumped to murder at least as quickly yeah i agree i think it would have taken longer to get i think ostracization would have happened first and i think too fully said like if there were different ideologies and like you know one leader what katie wanted to do one thing um you know kill some boars and cover herself in blood it's blood and i wanted me a little bit longer to get to that i think (laughs) to fully clarify that statement and if i wanted to i think it would have been like prioritize I think there would have been, like, traps before spears. Oh, yes. That were little girls. I don't... And I mean, we use, we use, like, like, bullying, and we use, like, intellectual, uh, you know, abuse as, as how we handle our shit. So I feel like it would have been a lot more of, like, mind fuckery than it would have been. I think there would have been, like, six little tribes, if I'm being honest. If it was, like, little girls, I'd be like, okay, so, like, that tribe, it's gonna be cliques. I think if it was girls on the island, it'd be cliques. Not two main tribes. And on the beach, we wear pink. Yeah, and it would just be, like, a bunch of little cliques, because I think we all would have sectioned yeah. off but it's all hearsay who knows he wrote it about boys he knows boys so maybe somebody will write the sequel mm-hmm. um <laughs> i think boys are always also if i can make another grand sweeping generalization struggling for like power <laughs> like you know what i mean whereas mm-hmm. i feel like girls are much much happier to share or at least uh, to agree to disagree peacefully <laughs> you did not go to my middle school was that <laughs> is very true yeah. um well like on that note then like what do you think made Ralph and Jack jump out as the leaders. Like, what what were their leadership qualities, and then how did it divert? Fletcher, shut up, dude. Yeah, I know you like Jack. Gray Cat is doing it too. Is he? Oh, yeah. Gray Cat. It's um, half Gray Cat. <laughs> the cats have a ghost. The beast. The cats have a beast. Yeah. Yeah. The cats have a beast. I think Jack's like. I want to be a leader, and I clearly already have experience. Look at my resume. Ask any of my references. Headquarter boy here, ready for roll. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> roll call. Um, but I think Ralph had, like, like the cool kid vibe where he was just, like, aloof, nonchalant, like, chill. It's cool, man. Like, look at where we are. I don't want to learn your real name, Piggy. Like, let's just hang out. And I think he just had a personality that attracted, attracted them to him. You think That's- leadership qualities for these guys are just it's just personality based sometimes it's a fucking popularity contest i think we all know that you know what i mean so like one wanted it so tightly and was so butthurt when he didn't get it um and then the other one was like you guys you want to you want to vote for me you want me to lead you like okay i guess i'll do it <laughs> sure um so i don't know i do you, yeah. do you think that um ralph's leadership style was to use piggy's smart ideas as his own and then just because he had the personality and piggy that's what made him the leader like he didn't have any good ideas of his own i don't think that's a bad Ooh, i I apparently don't think that's a bad form of leadership though right yeah nobody I mean, there's always a sidekick, right? But nobody's uh-huh. going to listen to Robin. They'll listen to fucking Batman. But yeah. Robin's over there chirping in his ear being like, hey, man, we shouldn't wear capes because they're super not cool. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think Piggy's... Ralph doesn't come on board with Piggy until about midway through the book where he's like, oh, this fucking kid. He's actually my only rational right. one left. Yeah. He's right. He realizes it. And so... Stealing his ideas for power, that's a Jack thing. Mm-hmm. That's a, you know what I mean? Ralph is like, oh, no, I need this guy as an ally. I don't really want to hang out with him as a friend. <laughs> if we get off this island, we'll see if this works out. 
But this kid's got some good ideas, and I think his ideas will help me lead to achieve the objective that I want to achieve. And I think Ralph's, that makes him a good leader because he can recognize that. I think everybody needs a really strong number two. And the thing with number twos are often, often they're not actually the ones that can with want the, the power that want the power yeah, or yeah. that people will follow so you need a, a a generally cool guy oh you guys want little old me to lead all right to listen to those ideas and be like okay let me get people to follow them mm-hmm. you want the guy that you have a beer with to be the yeah. leader but you want him to have like a really smart friend yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, because well. he's, he's got to appease everyone. Everyone's got to respect him to a certain point. But you don't typically have all of those characteristics and wrapped up in one person, right? Just yeah. me. I'm the only person who has all of those characteristics. Just you. One. Well, we're lucky to have you, Lauren. <laughs> all along, I thought you were my number two, but I have just been giving you. <laughs> no, that's absolutely what it would be. You would be the president. You'd be Ralph, and I'd absolutely be fucking Piggy. And that's okay. I'm fine with that. I'll take it. Yeah. I don't even wear glasses, though. At least I have spectacles. You have contacts. them. Yeah, I'll... you'd be in contacts on the okay. plane, though. Maybe. Another side tangent. We don't have to make this long. But, like, I'd be fucked if I was stranded on an island. I am blind as a fucking bat. <laughs> How do you like, think Piggy felt? <laughs> I know. I'd be screwed. So, yeah, anyways. Poor guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, where do we think? So, these guys get off the island. They're rescued by this, like, Navy crybaby guy. Um, and... <laughs> Where, what do you think they do? Like, where do you think our main characters go in life afterwards? Like, just it's, pick one. Because I self-identified, I guess. Uh, I'll take Jack. Mm-hmm. I think that Jack got a little tied up in the game. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you ever lose that, like, I don't ever think you lose that sense of wonder. And um, I think he enters society. He probably can readjust back. Like, he's not so far gone. Granted, he murdered two people, sort of. Not directly. He didn't, like, you know, he tried. Mm -hmm. But he tried. He was about Um, to with Ralph. Yeah, he he was real close. But I think Jack grows up, you know, is a rational enough guy to be like... I can't do this when there's rules around. And I think he knew that on the island too. Mm-hmm. But he's like, with rules around, how do I play within the rules of society to still manipulate and yeah. get what I want? I think Jack becomes a great manipulator. I think maybe yeah. he runs and becomes a politician. You seemed great at it. Um, seemed to really want the jobs mm-hmm. and just kind of runs the world from within. Mm-hmm the confounds of society do ralph too because honestly i have no idea i think this affects ralph way more on a sent like on a sentimental level than it affects any of the other boys um okay. mostly because like you could tell when ralph also believed that there was a beast he became like a level of depressed that was like oh man like you know i really tried to lead them this way they weren't wrong what can i do now and i feel like off the island ralph is just like Dude, I like naval dad. I tried my hardest, man. You know, society just wouldn't listen. I knew it was right, and they wouldn't listen. And I think that does more of a mental note on your psyche to know mm-hmm. what's right and have people disobey you, not listen, not understand what is right is probably even more than those two things. So I think, I think Ralph has a tough time adjusting back to normal life. I don't think he's you know having a tough time like Jack, where he's like still a little bit power hungry. I think Ralph's had a taste of real power and seen the other side and seen how hard it is to rule. And I think for him that, that I think he settles into a bit of a, a depression and maybe he's a bit off put by society because of that, because he's, he realizes that society is actually not out for the greater good, but for themselves. I think they're all going to be raging alcoholics. So (laughs) Well, therapy wasn't quite around then. Exactly. What do you do with that shit? They saw they killed two people. They were complicit in two little boys' murders. I'm going to go. Jack becomes like the cop that beats people, but on the down low. (laughs) On the DL. He still Mm -hmm. like loves the bloodthirst, but he's smart enough to like do it within the system. Operate within the system. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think that Ralph kind of becomes, after his severe depression, he becomes some kind of, like, uh, like activist. He becomes some form of, like, I can't work in the system, obviously, because it doesn't work anymore, but, like, I can't do nothing. So he becomes some form of activist with a severe drinking problem. 
I think he also <laughs> on the side signs up to lead a troop of Boy Scouts so that he can teach them life oh, lessons yeah. so that if they ever how to make a real fucking fire yeah. without <laughs> murdering a young boy for his classes. Exactly. That's and good, Lauren. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's good. That's good. I love that for him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Yeah. All right. So final question. Do we yeah. think this was a good, bo- this is a good book for high school students to be reading? <laughs> really think about it i think i wished i had read this in high school and now as like an adult i i'm curious why i wanted it to read it so badly i remember wanting to read this book which is interesting so for me i think lauren you said it very soon into this conversation you were like i don't identify with this book because everything they do i wouldn't have done Mm -hmm. Being closer to their age, not that far removed, haven't met as many people, haven't seen as much in the world. I think it's better for a younger group because you're identifying more with the kids and it is teaching basic society Mm -hmm. woes, to be honest with you. Um, And I'm not even going to say on like a watered down level. I mean, these kids murdered people. So I think that's your grown up element. But I Mm -hmm. think like the interesting part about it is I think to really fully get the the emotional impact of the book we all looked at this book and was like eh i don't think adults are good at this either but i wouldn't do what that kid did that's (laughs) stupid and i think as a kid you might be like no we we bullied you know Mm -hmm. quote unquote piggy in our school that's totally piggy or maybe you know looking at myself i'm not going to point like maybe i'm piggy right and like what would kids do to me if it was in this society so i think like from an emotional standpoint yes i think from a literary standpoint and like teaching it I do think it does kind of, it's a nice way to be like, society's not all out for good. This is what could happen. So kind of a dark topic for teachers. It's like a cautionary tale per usual. But uh, yeah, I think it should be taught younger. Yeah, I feel like it it was kind of instructional, right? Like if you think about it, like if you're, you know, in, I don't know, let's just assume high school or younger middle school reading this book, um, hopefully older middle school or young high school. I would say let's get past little in. If you're big in age yeah, and like if you're beyond, big in age, you're good. Read this, yeah. I think, because it's um, on one hand, it's kind of instructional. So it's like you survive a, a plane crash. You need to group together. You need to kind of form a little society. You need to establish some kind of like process and order and whatever and and try to adhere to that as best you can. And also fire, also shelter, <laughs> also clean water for you to drink and food. So like a little part of that is like instructional, right? On the one hand. And then the other hand obviously has like kind of the like the moral of the story, like don't treat kids shitty just because of their aesthetics, especially if they're smart, because those are the ones that are going to literally save your fucking ass. Um, So like don't judge a book by its cover kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, you know, there's some teamwork there. There's also like a cautionary tale. Don't conform Mm -hmm. to your baser instincts, you know? Um, So I don't know. I think, yes, for, for Biggins age, I think they should read this. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's too graphic. I don't think it's too... No, it's just vague enough that you have no idea what the <laughs> fuck is happening. She's no, it's mad. not too graphic. In fact, more graphic, please. Half the time I had to go back and be like, so did he die or were they just dancing? I know, but I know what every leaf looks like. Don't worry. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more detail would have been great in yeah. this instance. Yeah, that I will say. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that that wraps up kind of our thoughts on Lord of the Flies. I wouldn't read it again, but learned a lot. Go, William. When we come back, our Lord of Vocabulary, Lauren, keeps our vocabulary savage in Lauren's (laughs) word of the book. (laughs) I fucking love it. Welcome back to Should I Should Have Read in School. And as you know, we always like to end our show by Lauren quizzing us with her favorite big word of the book. I've learned so many words. <laughs> yeah, tell them all back to me right now. Please <laughs> don't. <laughs> all right, guys. This this uh, book's word of the book <laughs> has a sneaky extra syllable in there, so <laughs> listen carefully. <laughs> don't mispronounce it, Lauren. That would be wrong. <laughs> all right, it's on page fifty-two of my book, uh, and the sentence is it's at the end of the sentence, so stay tuned. But it's not a very long sentence, so you'll be pay fine. attention. Pay yes. attention. Got it. Uh, Jack stood there, streaming with sweat streaked with brown earth, stained by all the vicissitudes of a day's hunting. The word is vicissitude. 
V-I-C-I-S-S-I-T-U-D-E-S. What? Thanks for spelling it. That, that You're welcome. Helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's going to help with the context of vicissitude. <laughs> he's like got the whole day on him. You know, he's like Shania Twain, like, honey, I'm home. I had a hard day. And he's taken off his hunting clothes. So it's like, you know, you, you just have the weight of the world on your shoulders. And when you take your bra off and sink into the couch, that's what he's taking off. The, 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 the heaviness that is his day. I love that when Katie's doing definitions of words, she doesn't actually ever give you like synonyms for a definition. She gives you a feeling or an emotion. 12 episodes say, later. Like, <laughs> that's still how we're doing it. I'm going to say like dirt. <laughs> that seems too simple, Lisa Marie. I don't know what you're getting at. <laughs> and I mean, she's like leaning into like the context of the sentence, so I get it. But um, I'm going to go with a, er, you're both wrong. Fuck it uh, <laughs> The vicissitude is the quality or state of being changeable, mutability. So like in this sentence, they're like, you know, he used to be a proper little boy. And now he's been hardened by like, you know, his survival instincts and his living in the wild and he's changed. So that's. That's that okay. is not what Shania Twain would have described that <laughs> Honey, I'm home. <laughs> oh, I yeah, love it. I not have gotten that one. <laughs> Interesting. So how do you say it one more time for the people at home? <laughs> Vicissitude. There are a lot of syllables in that. There are. A, it's a sneaky one. That C straight to the ISS really gets you. Like my eyes just yeah. glossed over it the first time I read it. <laughs> All right, so you guys know that I like to, you know, put it into a real world, real life, today's day and age sentence so that you guys can start to adapt it into your normal (laughs) vernacular. Uh, So my sentence, real today's sentence is, I consider myself a reasonably consistent person, but nothing highlights the vicissitude of my days like hunger. And Katie knows, because I'm a... Hangry anger people. is a real thing, and there should f- be support groups for people that have to hang around hangry people. <laughs> it's not a support group. You just need to feed them. <laughs> not a hard solution. It's not my fault that your blood sugar drops so aggressively that it affects my day. <laughs> I need support. <laughs> she does. She'll look at me, and she's like, do you need to eat something? And I think about it, and I'm like, yeah, actually, that's that's correct. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I won't use this word in real life. <laughs> This will not come up. (laughs) I will try. (laughs) Lauren, that's a great sentence. Thank you. Thank you so much. I also feel like I've done a a practical life sentence about being hangry before, so I really need to have more things to fill out my day um, and not be so hyper-focused on food, but... I but think that's, that's like the most relatable thing in the like, world. So don't worry. About it. We just read a book about boys that didn't have food. So we should be thankful that half of your sentences are about food. Like these kids I, didn't even get the chance to vocab about food. I thought this book was going to have cannibalism in it, to be quite honest. Oh, so you. did I. Yeah. I really thought they were going to eat Piggy, if I'm being honest. Yeah, right. That- Maybe we should have talked about this in the other part of the episode. <laughs> But quick note, Lauren, so did I. Culturally, I thought they were going to eat piggy. I know. I thought cannibalism was like when I saw they eat a pig. Yeah, I thought that was foreshadowing. Oh, yeah. I totally was like, oh, they're eating pigs. You know what comes next? Human pigs. I thought they were going to run out of food. And they were like, all right, one of us got to go. That's exactly what I thought this book was going to be like. It ended. That's it. (laughs) I feel like just from like people talking about it in culture, me never having read this book before, because by the way, I haven't read this book before. Um. It's, I, I feel like cannibalism was dropped. when I completely to, thought they were going to eat Piggy yeah. as well. I didn't think it was going to eat Piggy. I had no idea who they were going to eat. I just thought they were going to eat each other. I never thought that was going to happen. What? <laughs> now, glad, glad that's not part of the book. <laughs> that would have really turned things up for you, yeah. though, right? There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's really where I thought that was going to end. All right, well, that seems like a great time to pivot. <laughs> First season, that's a wrap. How do we feel? Pretty damn good. I feel smart. Right. This is a fun, fun project. <laughs> this was a fun project. I feel a little bit more well-read, which was like the whole... That was the point. ...goal. So, yeah. You managed to get Lisa Marie and I to do this for a long time. My plan worked. Like, a lot of... Bo- <laughs> Your plan worked. <laughs> it's been working. <laughs> good run, guys. Enjoyed good it. Good run. I don't know. We'll find out what happens next. See what happens. Yeah. See yeah. what happens. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. All right. Bye. Our classic sign-off. Bye. <laughs>